Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I, was, uh, I went to Melbourne for a couple of days this week and um, I'd get out of the airport at Melbourne Airport as you do and get into a taxi and drove on the way there, had a great conversation with the driver and, and then uh, did a day, a very long day seminar. I was a little bit chilly all day. Isn't that horrible when you're just sitting there for eight hours and you're just a little bit chilly? I could feel my bones rattling actually. But... Um, but anyway, it was amazing, amazing content, and so it was fantastic to be able to go to. But then ended the day and called a taxi, waited outside in the in the snow. It felt like, and um, and the taxi finally arrived. Get in the, another taxi, and um, you know meet him and get in, and he greets me, and we had a good chat on the way to the hotel. And then the next day, I called a taxi out of the hotel for for the next day. And uh, so I'm standing outside the hotel. I'm, look, I found him. That's cool. Got in the taxi and I almost threw up. I, I, I sit down. And this, is, this is not a joke, by the way. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't breathe. Okay, this taxi has a smell like no other taxi on the face of the earth. Have you ever been in a taxi like that? Maybe you've been in your best friend's car and it's like that. Um, my car often smells, you know, not too good. It's got the dog and it's got a bit of hay and it's got a bit of all sorts of things. So, you know, I'm putting my hand up here. But anyway, I got it. I'm thinking, what could I do to just get out of this taxi right now? And it's raining outside, of course. And I'm thinking, is it polite to put down the window now? Or is he going to be annoyed at me? What's the etiquette in a taxi? What are you allowed to do? What aren't you allowed to do? So I'm going through all this in my head while holding my breath. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to breathe sooner or later. So I slowly uh, wound, down, you know, wound down the window. And of course, it squeaks and scrapes. So he hears everything. He sort of looks over. And, and I'm like, oh, no, I've done the thing you don't do in a taxi. And that's put down the window. Because he has all control of the air conditioning, you see. Uh, I don't know if you know that. But that's sort of what happens in taxis. So anyway, but I just had to breathe. And, um, and so I finally got it down. I'm just like, oh, there's some fresh air. I didn't, I didn't mind that I was getting rained on, you know. I'll just give me that fresh air, give me that fresh air. So my lips are hanging out the window. I'm trying to chat to him at the same time. And, uh, and it was a great half an hour journey. Anyway, what on earth did I tell you that story for? I tell you that story because it made me realise something, that we have no idea what our taxi smells like. Only other people who maybe are too polite to tell us what our taxi smells like, we may never know. We may never realise why people don't want to get into our taxi, why people don't want to hang around us, why certain things aren't happening for us, because all the while, maybe we've got a strange odour going on. Now, on the flip side... I don't know if you've ever been, uh, but every now and then I surprise myself and, and a taxi rocks up and it's not a normal taxi, it's a, a silver top taxi, it's a different one. And they're just slightly upper class, so, um, and sometimes it happens by accident, they come into the taxi rank as well. 
And so, but this, these ones are Holden Calais, and they're nice, and they're very clean. And, um, and so, actually, on the way home, I happened to get one of those, again, just by chance. And I'm, I, I sat in the back. I had leg room. It was like, it was like business class for taxis. And he had one of those little dangly things, nice smelling fragrance things from that. And I was like, oh, I can breathe. This is fantastic. And what it showed me is that this guy is self-aware. This guy has got it all together. He's obviously looked at his taxi and realised, I want to provide good service for people. And so in my four taxi rides that I had over those two days, I learned a lot of things. And I think the Bible speaks about this. Matthew chapter 7, 3 to 5 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What on earth does a smelly taxi have to do with a scriptural verse like that? Well, what it makes me do is after spending some time in that taxi and then going another one, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, does my taxi smell? Now, I know my car does. I just, just, I'd warn anyone if they go near my car, I know it does. Um, it's half damp. It's, uh, you know, it's got farmy sort of smell and, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, uh, farm things. You know, you step in things when you're in a paddock with animals and so that happens to migrate into your car sometimes. But other than that, when we take look at this personally and when I looked at this personally, I came away and I thought to myself, have I got a plank in my eye that I just can't see? Whereas I can see specks, tiny little bits in everyone else, all the while, do I have a plank in my eye? And I think this is a healthy question for us as believers to continually ask ourselves. Is there something that I'm not seeing about my own life? Is there something about my behaviour that affects other people that I just don't see? I am um, at this, this uh, leadership training uh, course that I did uh, this week. One of the things that uh, the, the guy from America, he, he's developed this course and he's a really, really good guy and, and we may bring him out next year actually and, and do a training thing with him. But one of the things that, that he has, and he's American, uh, and he recommends is, is having bumper buddies. And what he means by that is someone that you can bump up against and they can bump up against you and be lovingly honest with you. But they love you. They're not, they're not just trying to pick out every speck out of your eye or out of your who you are. But they're actually people that you trust and love and they trust and love you, but they can be a little bit honest with you if you really need it. And most of you will know sometimes if there's a, a little bit of, especially if you're married, then it might be a spouse, it might be a close friend or someone else who can be honest with you. And sometimes, you know, they're the ones who are lovingly brave enough to tell you you've got a piece of lettuce stuck in your teeth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But they say it nicely because they love you and they don't want everyone else to see it. So they don't yell it out uh, for the whole table to hear while you're out with 30 people at your birthday party, but they'll actually just lovingly sort of hide you from it, tell you you've got it there and, and they can actually protect you. Some people like that. And so he recommends that. And, um, and one of the parts about that is being able to perhaps identify some of these restrictions in our lives so that we can be bigger and better than we were before. 
And most of you are like me. You actually want to do more. You want to see more. You want to experience more, influence more, and see God use you more now than ever before. And you want to grow in that. That's, I believe, a kingdom trait is growth in the kingdom. And so part of that journey of growth is having maybe someone or maybe ourselves, if we're really, really, really self-aware, Taking a look at ourselves sometimes, I try to do it as often as I can, and have a look and ask myself this question. I'll ask myself now, does my taxi smell? Do I have a plank in my eye that I'm just not seeing, that might be detracting me from my calling? It may be actually putting off destiny further down the track because I'm going to have to learn another six lessons from now till then until I'm finally wise enough or, or have the character formed enough in me to be able to hold and carry that assignment or that calling. And so it's one of those things that as we grow in leadership and as we grow in our kingdom behaviour, we actually become more and more self-aware. And we, we look around us and we're, we're quite willing to, to even take on perhaps some loving suggestions if they come from the right angle. I'm not saying take on criticisms and gossip and all that sort of stuff, but, but from someone very close who loves you and is, is actually wanting to lift you up, actually taking that on and say, hey, yeah, maybe I can adjust some of those things. Maybe I can take that on. And I hope, I hope that I am able to do that on an ongoing basis. One of the things that... I've realised that with this plank and speck idea, more and more as the years go by, more people that, that I talk to and deal with, I'm realising that sometimes this plank in our eye is not necessarily something like a habitual sin or a, a thing that is completely obvious to everyone else. But maybe it's something that we've given ourselves permission to behave like. What do I mean by that? If you're someone who doubts yourself all the time, that is your plank. If you're someone who has rejected the fact that God has created you in His image, that is your plank. If you're someone who questions whether you have a calling and a destiny over your life and you reject yourself all the time and you're always putting yourself down, then that is your plank. See, a plank doesn't have to be an obvious sin on the Ten Commandment list, but it may be something that's still blocking you from your destiny. And it can be something very small. A plank sounds big, but it might just be one of those things like self-doubt. I believe that's something I'm coming across more and more when I'm talking to people is self-doubt. Can I actually do this? And I think in today's world, because we have such a high comparison, such a high social media comparison, such a high media comparison of everything, of every success story that's ever done. I mean, you can get them at your fingertips and we're bombarded by success from everyone else other than ourselves. And this compounds this rejection. It compounds self-doubt. And so today, I want to see if we can remove that speck out of anyone's eye that maybe carries that. Because I believe this is one of the enemy's plans to thwart your power and your influence in today's world, in your calling and your destiny as a child of God. Because even if you have influence over one other person, you are a leader. One other person, then you are called to be a leader. 
Now, some of you, even as I say that, might think, oh, well, you know, that's not me. I can't do this. And, you know, I've always made mistakes. And, and so some of these things have to change in our minds and in our hearts to recognise the Word of God, recognise that we are children of God, that we are royalty and that we are created in His image, that we are the head, not the tail, and that we're created to have influence, to carry influence. And so today, if we can just get rid of all the self-doubt out of anyone's minds and out of anyone's thinking today, then we've probably achieved some pretty good stuff. And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, because He's our helper, our counsellor, our advocate, that then He keeps us free from the bondage of self-doubt, of negativity, of restricting ourselves, rejecting ourselves, and even some of this negative thinking that we've allowed in our own life. Let me tell you, it's not yours. It's not who you are. It's not who you were created to be. Even the worst trial, the worst event that has ever happened in your life is not to stamp you for the rest of your life and keep you in jail to that incident, to that trial and that issue. That is the beginning of something new. Mums who have had kids, and we've had a few new babies recently. I can see one over there, cute little thing. And um, oh, there's another one over there as well. Is there? Yeah, they're popping out everywhere. It's great. I know it's not that simple. But that's what I want to talk about. The mums, especially, you know, new mums, you'll know that, I mean, it's a, it's a serious ordeal. It's a serious ordeal. It's not something you would wish on your worst enemy. Childbirth, I mean. And, and that, that process, but at the end of it, but at the end of it, you're rewarded with one of the greatest prizes of ever, of, of your life. You're rewarded with this incredible new life. And this is so often what happens in life. We're faced with a challenge. We're faced with a trial. We hit some tough stuff. We hit some doubt and some trials. Maybe we've hit abuse in our life. Maybe people have done things to us that no one else knows about. Let me tell you, Jesus knows. He knows what you've been through. He was rejected by all mankind. He even felt rejected by his own father, but he did it for you and he did it for me so that he can partake almost or essentially of what we're going through and he can carry us through it and he can bring us out with new life, with birth, even through the pain. We can come out of that with new life. I think if we can grapple with and if we can realise in our lives what God has for us, then we can attain a freedom that we never thought possible. Unrestricted by man, unrestricted by ourselves, unrestricted by what people think, unrestricted by all the rules and regulations. And uh, because there is a Bible verse that says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we invite Jesus into our hearts, we receive a deposit of heaven called the Holy Spirit. And we have a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts when we believe in Jesus at that time. 
And with Holy Spirit in our hearts, we then have eyes open to things that we didn't see before because he enlightens our spirits and we begin to see scripture, we begin to see sin, we begin to see all sorts of things, creation, we begin to see joy and life in a whole different way because the Holy Spirit enlightens us to see spiritual things. And so with that in mind, we then enter into a life that is not available to people who are not born again. Because we have freedom in the spirit, freedom in our lives. Now, like a frog in hot water, we so often forget the freedom that we've attained. It's so easy, even days after becoming born again, people can forget the freedom that we've attained. Freedom with Christ. That's freedom from any judgment of any other person. We no longer need to worry about what anyone else thinks of us because we know what the Father thinks of us. And we have the affirmation of a Father. Now, a lot of people in this day and age, and the world's getting even more crazy and confused than ever before, there's a lot of the next generation that are going to grow up with no affirmation from a Father. Zero affirmation from a father. So how much more then in this current day and age and the next generation is this generation going to need to get to know their heavenly father so that they can be healed of all of those wounds and that void in their life of lack of affirmation coming from the father and maybe even having an image of God that's completely false. And so we carry him with us. We carry the Spirit of the Lord, so we should be theoretically, spiritually freer than anyone else. Whenever the enemy tries to take you back to bondage, remember this verse. You might want to create a slogan to really form a great healthy pattern in your mind of, hang on, remember, you're not a slave, you're free. You're not a slave to this world system anymore. Even though we live in the world, we're not of the world It's it's a weird kind of thinking, isn't it? But we're actually given a freedom that people who don't believe in Jesus don't have. Now, we don't hit them over the head with that, but we actually try and bring people into that. See, we're not trying to beat people over the head with what they're not. We're trying to bring people into a freedom that they never knew possible. And when we turn it around and we realise that our kingdom message is an incredible message, we're not lesser than, we've actually got something this world desperately needs. The older I get, the more I realised we have no reason to be intimidated by the world. We have no reason to be intimidated by other people and their opinions. doesn't mean we have to become, you know, ranters and ravers and sort of, you know, shove our message down everyone else because we're now not scared of them. But what it means is we can walk in an affirmation from a heavenly father and we can carry ourselves as a son and a daughter of the Most High. Of the Most High. So there's an inner confidence, there's an inner awareness, and there's a freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if you have areas of your life that you don't feel free, ask the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring freedom and bring that revelation of truth of Scripture into your life. It might be how you think about yourself. It might be what the bars or the ceiling you've set yourself. I can only ever be this in life. I could only ever, you know, have this in my relationships. I could only ever have this person around me. And sometimes we set ceilings on our life that are not the Father's best for us. They're what our bad experiences have taught us. And so we go to safe havens. 
We go to these safe havens so that we can't get disappointed again. But God wants more. And today's a day where I believe we can ask the Lord to bring about more in our life, break free of some of those restrictions that have been set over our lives, maybe by other people, but maybe by ourselves. So often in today's world, I think it's we put it there ourselves. Yes, other people affect us and bad things happen and it's, and it's terrible some of the things that go on out there. But then what happens after that is we begin thinking the worst about ourselves. We begin setting ceilings all over our lives, never to break through. And yet when we know Jesus, we have the Spirit of the Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Freedom to get rid of some of those planks out of our own eyes. Freedom to have a really nice smelling taxi with plenty of legroom and it's clean and fresh and people walk into our atmosphere and they are like, this person, I want to be around them. I want to travel in their taxi, not in the other person's. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing if you could overhear people talking about you? I know it's not really a done thing, but let's just pretend you could. Overhear people talking about you when they've walked away from you and then they go and talk to their friend and they say, wow, I just love being around them. They're so positive. They have one of those nice smelly dangly things from their head. And they just, they just smell nice. They speak words that are nice. I feel uplifted and affirmed when I'm around them. And in today's world, it can be a real challenge to live like this. And that's why I believe this is a daily thing. And I want to hit you with a, a reminder. Every single day, does my taxi smell? Does my taxi smell? Or how does it smell? Because it might smell really nice. And this is a, a good reminder, and I'll give myself this as well. And I'm sure I'll clean the car this afternoon because I'm feeling guilty already. <laughs> how do we affect other people? What is our effect on people around us? Another statistic I learned. This week, I, I will get it a little bit wrong, but here's, the, here's the, the bulk of it. The three ways we interact with people or have communication with people, and of those three ways, our tone of our voice is one of the most impacting things when we actually introduce ourselves. People have pretty much sussed us out in the first 60 seconds. 30 seconds, I think, is more accurate, but we're talking half a minute to impact people, half a minute to make an impression on people. And what makes the most impression is not necessarily what comes out of our mouth. It's how we carry ourselves and the tone and the effect that we have on them. And so when we look at that, we don't even have to be an articulate person to have a great effect on someone. All we have to do is have a look at our inner sanctum and say, all right, I'm going to clean up my taxi. I'm going to get this thing smelling nice. The windows are down. If that person wants to hang their head out the window, they can do it all the way. There's no little restrictions. I'm not going to hold them to my little rules and my expectations of what they should do and what they shouldn't do because half the time you don't know what the etiquette is. It changes anyway. Now with Uber, there is no etiquette. So, you know, it's just like throw, disrupted that whole, the whole thing. The whole world is disrupted. But that's the world we live in now is a disrupted world. And it's infiltrating even in the church there's disruption happening in the church. It's happening in the marketplace, in businesses. And instant things are, are just coming 
into even church and Christianity, instant things. And so we need to learn what to throw off, what to get out of our own eye and what to actually keep so that we can actually keep this message current even for the next generation. Because if we just hold on to all, those, all that etiquette of what the taxis used to have, someone's going to come in and disrupt the thing, have none of that etiquette, none of that ritual, none of that stuff. And we were holding on to that stuff that wasn't so important in the first place. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. The person, the man, Jesus Christ. He's the one that we're going after. And so all our little hang-ups maybe with different styles and methods and what traditions, uh, that'll all change in a decade anyway. And it's changing faster and faster and faster. And so us as believers becoming more and more self-aware, more and more Christ-like, living in a freedom that the world can't access unless they have Jesus Christ. This is a freedom that is priceless, a priceless freedom that no one else can access. I mean, this sounds like a sales pitch, doesn't it? We'll throw in some freebies, I'm sure. But the truth is it's free. Greatest message in the world is free. No strings, no nothing, no paraphernalia, no manipulation. Just a man, Jesus Christ, who will take it all and give it all. And then we get to participate in a life that's free from bondage. If you're feeling in bondage today, have a look at why you're bound. What are you bound by? It may be really oppressive. It may be financial, relational. It may be health. It may be some really strong stuff that is affecting you. The good news is this, and this is what I used to tell myself when I could almost feel people coming, the debt collectors coming to my door. <laughs> well, if it all crumbles anyway, and if I just die of a heart attack, at least I'm going to heaven. <laughs> and I figure that's a promotion, so I'm actually going to get a promotion anyway. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you believe in Jesus, you have access to Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is with you. He is real. And He wants to help you break free of restrictions, break free of wrong thinking, break free of rituals and things that you've been held by and bound by. You've been enslaved to things that are just not Him. It's not Christ holding out those things over you. It's your, maybe even your own restrictions that have said, I can't do this. I, I'm not articulate. I'm not this. I haven't got faith. Or I don't look like that or sound like that. None of that matters. None of that matters. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you have freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you have freedom. I want you to stand today and we're going to pray together. And if you just close your eyes and if you've found that, that something we've been speaking about has really hit you this morning, then I want you to put your hand on your heart or on your head or on your kneecaps or whatever you want to do really. And we want to together ask the Holy Spirit to come and break us free from any mindsets, any thinking, any even experiences, anything that is holding us bondage where we shouldn't be. We shouldn't live in jail anymore to this stuff. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 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 Jesus, we ask today that you would walk in this room with your manifest touch. And Lord, I ask that you would come. You know all of, all of the situations. You know each of our hearts. I ask for every chain, every restriction, 
Even thoughts that are negative about ourselves, experience that has held us back, ceilings, caps, jail cells, and situations, conversations, ways of thinking that have held us back from your best. Lord, I ask today for those planks to be removed by your Spirit, that you would come and that you would wash us clean, that you would wash us free, break the chains, break the chains of self-doubt, break the chains of negativity, break the chains of limitation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I declare freedom over your mind. I declare freedom over your heart. I declare freedom over your life. New ways of thinking, new faith levels, new expectations. And Father, I pray for your affirmation to warmly fill our hearts today. The Father's affirmation. He loves you. He is championing you. He is barracking for you. He is believing for your best. And He is with you, lifting you up even this very day. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come and fill us. Fill us with a fresh faith a fresh understanding of what it looks like to be renewed in our mind, to be renewed in our hearts, to believe your best for us. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill us, wash over us with your healing presence, your healing power, your refreshing. So we just say, come, Lord. We say, come. Why don't you just lift your hands to him now? Let's just together ask the Holy Spirit to come in this place and fill us and even refresh us for this week, for a great week, for overcoming, for, for new thinking, new ways, new belief. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We believe for your best. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and fill us and accompany us in each situation of life. You give us wisdom and fresh empowerment by your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.